0: Welcome back to another episode of Sloan Cold Facts. I'm your host, Marcus Sloan. Today we have a special guest, a guy who's been really helping me out. You guys know I'm older. I just turned forty a couple weeks ago. I'm not as bouncy as I used to be. Y'all got to YouTube me, Google me. I'm not as athletic as I used to be. Um, this guy's been taking care of me the last couple weeks. Get me back loose. Get me back flexible. I almost could play in the game almost. Still still in a couple weeks. I'm not there yet. Um, it's my guy, Eric Ramirez, the CFL Sports Medicine Facility in Paraland, Texas. Eric, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming to Sloan Colfax. Facts. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so as you guys know, man, um recently, even as uh recent as uh I think was it Monday when uh, Kyler Murray went down. Yeah, for ACL tear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like nowadays, man, these athletes uh, especially at the, at the pro level, but even, you know, some of the kids I see at the high school and collegiate level. Like, you'll see, like, kids 15, 16 years old, like, tearing their ACLs, tearing their MCLs, Achilles. And when we were growing up, it seems like that was rare for high school kids to, like, get tears and, like, seizing any injuries. Even last year as a kid here in Houston at Episcopal um, tore his knee up twice, athletic kid. And it's crazy, and I'm always like, hey, I, like I, I wonder, like, why is this happening? How can kids prevent it? And, um, you know, I, um, like I mentioned, I, I started going to Dr. Ramirez's um, clinic in Pearland, and he kind of, like, opened my eyes to a lot of things, um, even injuries to guys like Chet Holmgren, Holmgren, the number two pick in the draft. And he kind of explained some things. Eric kind of ex- explained some things to me of, like, how even kids or even high-level athletes can – Prevent these things. Uh, you know, man, You guys like LeBron James, we've heard before, he spent a million dollars on his body per each year. year, per year, a yeah. million dollars. So he can perform at a high level. I think athletes, again, even from the youngest high school to, to pros, I, I think sometimes we take um, or our, our, our lack of knowledge hurts us. Even for myself growing up, man, like, you know, I, I used to stretch, but I didn't realize the importance of taking care of your body until I was older. You know, man, like you'll see guys only have short careers. And like, damn, what happens? His body broke down. And um, Dr. Mira is here, man, he he he's been giving me a lot of game. And at his facility in Pearland, he has some things that are next level, some new technology that'll help a lot of people. Um, so I, I brought him on the show today to kind of talk about what he does, his background, and uh, how how he's helping uh, you know future athletes and how he's gonna kind of change the game of how combines go. I mean, you, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I think everyone knows how important the combine is, especially with the college football season just ending. Guys are going to get ready for their combine, do all these combine testing. So I'll kind of have them break down some of that stuff. But uh, Eric, man, again, glad you're here. Glad to have you. Um, kind of talk about kind of what you do. Okay. Actually, and, and just, just your background. Okay.
1: So background, uh, I'm a chiropractor. I, I focus on sports medicine, do a lot mm-hmm. of soft tissue work, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into chiropractic kind of as a secondary thing. Uh, It it intrigued me when I started dealing with some injuries myself and going the pre-med route and not really getting answers from the doctors when I had injuries that kept me out of basketball, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So after a while, I just got really annoyed and did some different things. Some people told me about some rolling on a tennis ball, basically, and I got (laughs) super annoyed because rolling on a tennis ball fixed a problem I had for five years that kept me out of basketball. And it was a runner that told me to run on that world on a tennis Mm -hmm. ball. And all these doctors couldn't tell me. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I ended up in chiropractic. As I went through, I was introduced to soft tissue work. And Mm -hmm. once somebody did it to me, it kind of just relieved that problem I had. So just been kind of going on a journey through that since then, just really working on soft tissue, really looking at it in between that time, you know, knowing I could fix these injuries, I was annoyed a little bit or, you know, some people would bring up questions on. You know, why does this keep happening to me uh, why do certain athletes start getting hurt all the time and so it was a question i was really um, thinking about a lot and you know one day somebody asked me well, they're going to go play mm-hmm. ball i was leaving the mm-hmm. clinic And he said, hey, Doc, like, I play ball all the time, and I notice my calf is pretty tight. Like, I don't want to rupture my stuff like Kobe did. It was right around that time. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, like, how do I know? And I was like, you know, that's a really good question. So I looked it Mm -hmm. up and couldn't really find anything. So I went back a couple days later and told him, like, hey, man, like, we we don't really know. Like, there's no good information out there. A couple years later, I was reading an article in Sports Illustrated. I saw there was a guy out in California that was doing some stuff with cameras. And I didn't really read a whole lot through it, but as soon as I read about cameras, it just kind of hit a light bulb off in my head. And mm-hmm. I realized that, oh, man, we can use cameras to see how people are moving to measure certain things. And then maybe that'll tell me how much load we're putting on a joint. So then I, I you know, kept practicing doing stuff. And about five years later, I finally found a system that would measure those things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we use now. Um so that kind of takes you through, you know, sports medicine yeah. background. Yeah, Been involved with sports my whole life. You know, i right. played certain sports, but I've always watched sports. And mm-hmm. I just have an ability to look at people's movement and kind of tell where they're putting a lot of load. And then since I've used this system, I'm starting to get a real good understanding of what bad movement looks like, what too much load looks like, repetitive motion, how it starts breaking down joints, and then it leads to these injuries that we're seeing.
0: And so, Doc, again, talking about high school athletes first. Um mm-hmm. uh, a lot of parents always come to me and I, I hear them asking questions like, how can they prevent injuries? Or, like, what is too much? You'll see kids, especially AU basketball, mm-hmm. from as young as 9, 10 years old, they may play 70, 80 basketball games in the spring and summer. Um, th- how much, like, wear and tear, putting on your body at a young age affects what, ha- like, in 9, 10, 11, affects what happens when you're 16, 17, 18?
1: I think, uh, breaking it down a little bit on that question, if you, there was a sports conference I was on, it was like an, it's an Olympic sport conference. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they put on there, it's not necessarily that we need to take these breaks, like a little bit of that. But, um, what we're starting to notice is everybody's getting more specialized. So Mm -hmm. we know we're going to play basketball early on and we want our kid, they're showing some, some, uh some good um, athleticism or skills on that certain sport. So it's baseball or basketball or football. What happens is they start doing that one sport all year long. Mm -hmm. So that leads to the same movements that we're doing all year, where Mm -hmm. before we would play baseball, basketball, and football, but we'd have different ones, right? So we're putting different stresses on our body throughout the year. So one of the theories is is that since we're specializing in this sport, we're just constantly loading the same joints over and over, and so Mm -hmm. that gets the wear and tear. Mm -hmm. Um, It is important to keep remembering the take time off, learn how to recover, and those things. But From a young age, to kind of answer that question a little bit differently, from a young age, they really need to start learning how the body's going to move and how to recover and how to be an athlete. And that's really what we're focusing on is really that, like – teaching these kids how to be an athlete, knowing that there's guys like LeBron, who's like our poster child because it came out that he was spending so much money on his body. Mm -hmm. But knowing that there's guys like that or even before him, Emmett Smith, Jerry Rice, these guys that, you know, Jerry Rice famously did um, uh, ballet and things like Mm -hmm. that so that he could keep his joints healthy. Emmett Smith did a lot of chiropractic work, a lot of yoga type stuff. And these guys played twenty over twenty years in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So Tom Brady has his method that he does really well, and it's based all on recovery and taking care of your joints. Mm-hmm. So just those things kind of going through. But yeah, that's what we notice with
0: those. So basically, going back to that question, my, I have two other questions. So, um, at what age do you guys at your, at your facility start, as far as like looking at kids and at you know working with kids? We can what's start the youngest. You think, or what's the youngest parent should kind of start? looking into things like, hey, okay, let's start looking at movements in our joints of our kids?
1: Yeah. um, You know, anytime they're playing a sport, so if you look at gymnastics and things, those girls have to, and and, uh, boys too, but mainly those girls on their, um, you know, they have to hit a peak somewhere around Mm -hmm. 8 to 10 years old. And Mm -hmm. so we're getting them really young. The the only limitations we have is that – there's a little bit of a height limitation on our system right now, mm-hmm. so they're you know they have to be about four eleven and up, mm-hmm. and then um, the only other thing is with our system and how we train people, they just have to be coachable. So if, as long as they're coachable, we're good. But definitely by the time they're starting to go um, at the latest, by the time they're starting to hit junior high athletics, um, that's that's about the latest you want to start looking at this. Okay.
0: Yep. Okay. And so my second, I guess, part of the question: Do you suggest? parents or kids at a young age to play multiple sports? Is that what you're saying? So that it's not as much load management. It's funny because, you know, you hear in NBA and baseball, load management guys Mm -hmm. taking nights off. Do do you think that playing multiple sports at a young age helps prevent, you know, like certain joints getting worn down as opposed to playing, you know, being specialized, playing a single sport? Um,
1: In a way, you know, it's a good cross training. So it's going to build different muscles different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the stuff we see is all repetitive, you know, from adults sitting in chairs all day long to, you know, that's turning off stuff, but then students sitting in chairs. So, I mean, you can nitpick it like that, but if you really want to focus on that one sport, you just have to do certain things to Mm -hmm. make sure your body's right. Mm -hmm. Um, But a good way to do that without having to spend so much effort is, yeah, just change it up, cross-train, do different sports, different movements. Mm -hmm. I -hmm. think that would help.
0: And so, um, again, man, growing up, I, I, you know, I'm sure, just like you said, I, I played multiple sports, but we I kind of started specializing towards basketball, obviously, when I got to middle school and high school. But nowadays, I mean, you have kids as young as 89 years old, and they'll be specializing until they're, you know, eighteen, nineteen. So mm-hmm. that's uh, interesting. Um, the the technology you spoke about, as far as the cameras, um, as a high school athlete, now we're talking about, you know, team sports, individual sports. How can you in your facility? If I were a high school program, high school basketball coach, a high school football coach, how would you guys benefit coming to our program, working with our athletes?
1: Um, so what we're looking at is the most benefit is if I get a baseline. So if I look at healthy athletes, what we consider healthy because they haven't been hurt or they're not dealing with an injury, mm-hmm. I can identify movement patterns that will be a problem. And, like, mm-hmm. there's data that shows that these movements are problems. So we take that information – And we want to work with them, give them ideas. You know, here, you can do this on your own. We have a program that we do to correct those movements. So I think that's the biggest help is just establishing that baseline. Secondarily, on that baseline, if they do get hurt, Whenever we're trying to return them to play, we have a baseline mechanics measurement. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to release them until they hit that baseline again Mm -hmm. because this is what they look like when they weren't hurt before. So these are the types of ranges of motion and movement patterns we want to see before I get them back on that court.
0: And, and guys, it's funny because um, earlier this week I did my own test and could just kind of see my range of motion and flexibility. So what he's talking about is, you know, he'll do the test before guys get hurt or, you know, just like you said, the baseline and then – once they get hurt, he can tell, "Hey, you guys got hurt here," and you can do look at this all based on your technology you have at your facility. Correct? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. Um, also, too, we talked about we mentioned earlier, like the um, the combine stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows, especially in college football, combine, combine, the NFL combine. It's they've it's a big ordeal on NFL Network. Um, but at that level, you and I have talked about this. You said that there are teams and even organizations that they are missing some of the things that they should have in a combine based on certain technologies that that you have and that you, you know, in your position. Kind of talk about some of the technologies that you think that can add and help players during their process.
1: Yeah, there's quite a bit um, to go over kind of on this subject because Mm – There's a a part of it that could be a little scary for people coming up because the technology that I use um, and there's other types of it out there. If they start utilizing that more with combine, they're going to be able to tell that you have a certain tendency like, hey, look, this guy's a high risk for an ACL tear. This guy's putting too much load on his feet. And real
0: quick. So you're saying your technology can show all of that. Yep.
1: And so that's basically what we're looking at. So. Two ways to look at it. If they start utilizing that and you don't have access to it, you're kind of going in blindly. So you mm-hmm. could show up, you got crazy athleticism, but if you fail some of these numbers, then you could dr- slip in your draft, right? Or if even if we're talking college, you could not get that certain school's uh, offer. It might be a different school because they're like, well, mm-hmm. we got five other guys that we can put in that position mm-hmm. and they tested it better. So we're going to go after that one. So that's one thing to look at. It. It's not really – I oh, haven't seen it being used too much now. And
0: you're but. talking about even for, like, college recruiters. So yep. you're saying, like, schools could even come to you guys and say, hey, like, we want to look at these 10 offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Can you run them through your program to see – which one? You yeah, know.
1: and you'll basically be at a flag. Any of them that have like, <clears throat> hey, look, they're high ACL tear risk, and mm-hmm. so it doesn't mean they're going to tear the ACL, but there's a high risk of it. It's like mm-hmm. so, you're just playing data. Like everything's data analytics now, correct? And so you're looking at that data, and you're basically taking it and saying like, yeah, they're a high risk. You're flagging them. So if I had five linemen um, and they all play, let's say they're all tackles, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so if I take all of those and all five of them are really close as far as ability size Mm -hmm. and all the things that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But then there's one of them that just has a lot less injury risk and he's Mm -hmm. probably going to get it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, you talked about um, kind of in the combine, you know, you're looking at explosive movements, but there's other parts to it. And I think you mentioned something a second ago and I kind of wanted to talk about it Mm -hmm. was uh, the, uh, the explosiveness and things that that we look at. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not just that, you know. Yeah. You said that back in the day we didn't really notice these injuries as much. <laughs> Correct. Um, I do think that our social media uh, enhances it. Yeah, like yeah. you know, we do yeah. see magnify more of it, it. It's so yeah, fast. Yeah. Like basically the Kyler Murray thing. Right. A couple minutes after it happened, I saw a Everybody. bunch of videos pop up. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so, um, so we do see it more. It's kind of shoved down our throats a little more. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. one of the theories I have is that. We've gotten really, really good at making people stronger, faster, you know, jump higher, that kind of stuff quicker. Mm-hmm. But we're doing it at the detriment of their joints. So mm-hmm. we don't really care about these compensations because we're getting stronger and faster. Mm-hmm. What that's doing is it's putting too much load on a joint. And it can't handle it anymore. And that's another reason we're seeing all these injuries. Um, and, and, so,
0: and so not to cut you off, but yeah, that goes back to one of my original questions. Is it too much? Be like, is its it... Is it is the emphasis too much on bigger, stronger, faster, quicker? Yeah. You you, you feel like that?
1: In my opinion, yeah, just because I'm going to focus more on making sure you're not going to get hurt or really reducing that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really believe there's a, a good amount of uh, maybe not so much compromise, <coughs> but where we can get in there and do both. We can mm-hmm. make you stronger and faster, let you do your str- explosive workouts. And the way we want to approach that is, if I can make your body more efficient, that means all your muscles are working the way they should. So now you can train harder, and now your coach can kind of ride you. You know, that's what we talk about. They can yeah. ride you a little harder throughout the season. But since we've taken all that load off your joints, you're less likely to get hurt. So now you can actually train harder. So that's the way I would try to approach it. Instead of doing these exor- only these exercises that – make us jump really high or make us really quick or strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's make all the muscles work. We can continue doing some of those exercises, but now we can actually work out more often, harder. And then, like you said, maybe we don't have to take as many breaks because mm-hmm. our body's not just getting torn up prematurely. And so I think that's a that's the way I would like to approach it, is just looking at how to make our body more efficient, how to make it work better, and then have the data to prove it. So now we have this computer data where it's not yeah. just the naked eye looking at it, that we have this um, very subjective, uh, objective, sorry, not subjective, um, objective data that's just like we have it on the screen. I have the information. You go through and do whatever workouts, um, programs, whatever it is, and then we do it again. And now I have data to compare, and it shows that you've increased uh, performance and you've decreased all the joint, um, yeah, basically repetition, damage, and that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: And yeah. so even um, you could even work with, like, high school strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. And, like, for, like, the guys' off-season workouts, when guys get hurt, like, they're, you know, uh, rehab workouts. Mm-hmm. And so at your facility, do you guys also do that as well? Yes. Okay, Also. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, okay, so good. we
1: have kind of a proprietary um, system. Uh, I saw a while back when I first got my system, um, you know, I like to send the data out to coaches, to personal trainers, things like that. Yeah. And say, hey, look, your athlete needs to work on this. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing we saw was, like, glute activation. That's, like, a really big one. So when we look at that glute activation or lack of, Mm -hmm. then I want to send it out. Well, if you're working with a personal trainer and your glute activation, their first thing is to think about, all right, we can do X, Y, Z um, exercise and like squats or lunges or something like that. And that's supposed to activate our glutes. But in this athlete, what we see is they're not activating the glute, right? So when they do the movement, they're using compensation patterns. And until you get rid of that compensation, the normal exercise isn't going to work. So what we try to do is go through, and um, and I'm pretty sure this is a question coming up. We can probably go into it more in detail later. But what we try to do is go through and isolate that muscle group, make mm-hmm. it work. We force it to work. And then from there, we just kind of go
0: on our, our program and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> with the high school kids, again, kind of sticking here for a second, mm-hmm. um, especially guys who are individual sports, tennis, golf, um, where they are pretty specialized, even in high school, what would you suggest, um, parents of those student athletes, even those student athletes themselves, like how much maintenance on it, you know, or maintenance work would they need? You know, obviously, basketball and football are more, they're physical sports, they're more violent sports, more contact. Mm-hmm. But for the quote unquote non contact sports, even you look at Tiger Woods now, he's kind of going through injuries and, mm-hmm. you know, he's been in golf his whole life. All right. So, what about the individual sport athletes? How could they benefit from your program?
1: Um, you know, a lot of like movement issues with them. I mean, it's the same sort of movements, you know, and they're actually a little um they actually benefit from this maybe a little better as far as a mm. performance standpoint because mm. when you get everything moving, the swing gets really good. So if okay. you look at golf and tennis, it's just like throwing a ball. So quarterbacks, uh, baseball swinging, you know, softball swinging and all those things. So they can benefit it from benefit from that way, but if we look at non-contact what we're really dealing with is repetitive motions and so all those sports have repetitive motions and um it, that's that's really where we want to look at so any sport we have, you're just looking at the repetition of it. So where they can benefit is like identifying that you're not activating a certain muscle group. And so your, your hips not following through, you're not getting your swing out and all those Mm -hmm. kind of things. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where they'll benefit from it. Um, Mm -hmm. Very similar. Yeah. They don't have the same wear and tear on their body from like the physical standpoint, but it still is physical. It's just in a different way. So kind of going there, like recovery is a really big deal. So even besides like the data that I can get, Everybody needs to learn how to recover, and so mm-hmm. the program does have a lot of recovery in it, and teaching athletes how to recover at home and how to do their, you know, things on their own because it has to be done yeah. on your own.
0: I think I think that's important. Um, uh, the the recovery piece, like I, I know a few years ago, everybody was, uh, Cairo, 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 like yeah. getting the cold tub, you know, like getting the machine. Uh, when you talk about recovery, especially in a sport like basketball, where you may have a game. Tuesday in a game, Friday, but you have practice Wednesday, Thursday. What's your recovery time or, like, what should the recovery look like? Let's say a, a parent or student athlete wants to come to, you know, to work with you guys. What does that look like as far as recovery?
1: Um, you know, there's different ways. Like, if you're doing it on your own, at the very least, we're looking at foam rolling. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people Whew, ask me. love if, the foam roller. Yeah. Man, love hate relationship for yeah. sure. Yeah, at the beginning, everybody hates it, and yeah. then it becomes your best friend. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: No, it, the foam roller – Man, uh my trainer in when I was in college TCU Chris Hall, C Hall, he was the first person to introduce me to a foam roller. Yeah. And so um I'm like, what's, like what like what does this thing do? He was like, just kind of roll on it. It'll like, you know, massage your, almost like give you a deep tissue massage. Yeah. So I'm like, let me try this. And so like it hurt. Like you know when you first get on the foam roller you're like, yo, like wait a minute. But once you get comfortable doing it, it like, I mean, it it changed my recovery and it like it helped me get loose, helped me stay loose. So that that foam recovery, I have a now. I mean, you have a love hate still, but it. I mean, it definitely changed like my outlook and it changed my like physical um, ability to bounce back for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you know the foam roller will get in on that tissue and kind of going back to that soft tissue work that I said I do. Mm-hmm. We're working on something called fascia, and so that fascial tissue will get adhesions in it; it starts to get stuck, and so when you when you activate a muscle that basically that fascia at that layer, there's three Mm -hmm. layers at that layer, it surrounds the muscles. And when you contract against it, and it's dysfunctional, then it's going to create that pain, right? So that's how I'm able to get rid of pain so quick. Is we break up those adhesions, and so the foam roller will help maintain that. So mm-hmm. if as long as you don't let them get like to really hard set adhesions, yeah. the foam roller will keep those adhesions out. So that's a, that's a really good and cheap way to do. And now, is this an
0: everyday thing? You think or like pretty much? Okay. Yeah. If you, I mean, okay. if
1: you're if you're training that hard and you're competing mm-hmm. that hard, yeah, mm-hmm. you can do it every day foam roller. Yep foam roller and then if you had to choose between stretching and foam rolling go foam roll
0: oh really yeah
1: Yeah. especially at a young age i feel like the stretching you know we talked a little bit about the warm-ups that i saw the basketball guys doing at the tournament um you know when you're stretching you have to do it a certain amount of time like you have to allow those those stretch receptors to release
0: so doc what's a proper stretch time because like for me like in the morning when i go to the gym I may stretch for like 10 minutes. Now, when I was in college, our athletic trainer, I mean, our, our strength and conditioning guy, he was like, you shouldn't stretch cold muscles. Is that true?
1: In a way, like in a certain way, like you you never want to take a, a muscle. Um, see, if you remember this, like if you talk to older people, like mm-hmm. maybe my parents' generation, maybe your parents' generation, if you tell them to stretch, you'll see them bounce. Like they go and they stretch and they kind of bounce a little bit. Mm -hmm. So every time they're bouncing, they're basically taking those receptors receptors, and they're tightening them. It's like a a little bit of a protective mechanism. Mm -hmm. And so... If we look at that time, you really want to go about fifteen minutes, uh, fifteen seconds at the least per stretch. Yep. Okay. And then hold it, but you really want to go about thirty seconds if oh, you can. Oh, wow, okay. And so as you do that, those receptors will release, and then you're actually stretching the muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. You'll feel it kind of. It's almost like like it's melting. You'll start moving a little bit more as you hold that stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would go fifteen to thirty seconds. And then, um, you know, going back to the stretching cold, in a way, you know, warm up a little bit so everything just moves a little better. Mm -hmm. And that's really how you do it. And you can Mm kind of do foam roller for a warm-up and then stretch after that.
0: Mm. So for... for Again, uh, up inexpensive i guess recoveries foam roller what are some other options people have as far as recovery goes
1: those guns um you know the guns oh, are pretty yeah, I good see those so kids have those I'm trying yeah. to do all the name brands but there's yeah. guns everywhere right Correct, so it's yeah. just a basically a, a percussion gun mm-hmm. um that's you know those run the gamut as far as pricing you can get them as low as like 30 40 dollars okay. and then the really good ones or the name brand ones are you know three four hundred dollars oh, sometimes okay. yeah. um Trying to think of anything else. I mean there's there's so much, you know, there's there's floss bands you can put those on, but you oh, gotta kinda yeah. learn how to use them. Mm-hmm. Um you can do cupping on your own and just kinda like do something and move around, get that blood flow back mm-hmm. in there. Um ice baths, you know, ice bath mm-hmm. is yeah, a, that's a, what I used to do in Europe. Is a thing yeah. to do, yep. yeah. But yeah, going back to the, the, the cryo, like cryo is just it's a different mechanism, but yeah, it's gonna be a lot more beneficial than just ice bath. But ice bath is there.
0: And so like again, for an athlete, especially in high school, recovery, if they were seeing you two, three times a week, would that be, you know, sufficient for them?
1: Yeah. So, really, you know, the three times a week um, would be if there's something going on. Like, okay. hey, I pulled a hamstring. I got something hurting in my hip, my, mm-hmm. my Achilles, something like that, right? So, we're, right. we're dealing with an injury. We're treating it. Um, twice a week is kind of what we do as our baseline um, therapy treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Right now, if we're just doing maintenance, you know, maybe once a week, it depends on the age. If we're talking okay. high school, yeah. um, if there's not a lot going on, I really don't need to see them that much. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, we try to train them, get all the problems out, right? So if mm-hmm. th- that's separate. Let's just say that's taken care of. I really could see them like maybe twice a month, once mm-hmm. a month, that kind of thing, just to maintain them, keep them loose, those kind of things. Yeah. Now, recovery could be different. Yeah. If you want to use us for recovery, yeah, once a week, you're doing at least mm-hmm. once a week, and then you're still
0: doing stuff on your own. Yep. So the high school kid I was talking about who tours ACL twice, he comes to you, you you get him kind of like what you did with me with the camera. He does the jumps and the movements. And from there, you would set out a plan for him mm-hmm. as far as to get his knee stronger, what he has to, I guess, work on in his legs. Also, you know, because, you know, once you're down, obviously, like you said, other parts of your leg compensate for the lack of strength in your knee. So how, how long would, would you have to or would a kid like that be, I guess, in a program? Is it a six-week thing, eight-week, or would it just kind of depend on the individual?
1: Yeah, um, it, it depends on how much you want to get out of it. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, we're mostly doing six-week programs. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, the reason I'm doing six weeks is because most people aren't really up-to-date on what we're trying to do. And mm-hmm. so whenever I go to talk about it, they're they're not – ready to hear that right so even at six weeks they're giving me a little bit of pushback if i had my way i would work three to six months with an athlete because we Mm -hmm. can fully start to integrate our stuff watch them grow through it watch that strengthening happen and then keep retesting as we go but Mm -hmm. i would really really like to get to that three to six month mark but yeah Mm -hmm. we start at six weeks okay that's a bare minimum to like start to get some changes and now you kind of know what you got to do and then you do it on your own at home Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I would love to have more work. I mean, think it's like any training, right? You go yeah. you go to the gym for two weeks, you're not going to get much out of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, going back to the combine thing, NFL combine again, it's mm-hmm. a huge deal. Um, when guys are getting ready to test vertical, you know, you know, you know the whole the forty, the vertical, the bench press, things like that. If an agent, NFL agent, comes in and says, "Hey, Eric, I have seven guys." Can you now what would be the difference between you getting them ready for the combine or can your, you know, company and facility can you get somebody ready for the combine as opposed to sending them to a strength and conditioning coach? Mm-hmm. What would be the difference?
1: Um, you know, without like stepping on toes or or doing anything like that. Yeah. I think the biggest difference <laughs> is my main focus is going to be to stabilize you as an athlete so that we're not getting hurt, but also get those results, right? Mm-hmm. Where strength and conditioning assuming that they don't have any kind of uh, insight into what I'm doing or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, their main focus is just get you faster, stronger. I want to yeah. get that broad jump further. I want to get your 40 down. I want to yeah. get a bit of bench more um, mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And so, you know, where they might run circles around me on the bench part, cause I'm not going to do a whole lot that yeah. goes with bench, right? <laughs> yeah. but you're not really going to get hurt on bench. I mean, every right. now and then you might tear a peck or something like that, yeah. but the rest of it, you know, I can get you there but you're going to be stable. So if you do a broad jump and they got you another half inch over what I got you but you you know when you land on that broad jump your right knee's going in and it's torquing in mm-hmm. and with mine it's not. Mine's the way you're supposed to land.
0: Correct. Their way yeah.
1: is, is not the way you're supposed to land. And so that that torquing, uh, that's torsion, um, that's the torsion that, like Kyler Murray, that's the kind of stuff you see. Yeah. So you see that torsion just happening over and over, and eventually it's going to pop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And then whenever we get into going to talk about that, there's like a very, there, there's a term, and I'll just say it now, yeah. non-contact ACL tear. Right. Those yeah. are basically what we can identify. Yeah.
0: Yep. So, again, I, 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 I told Doc this. Um People ask me all the time, Sloan, you going to play in the league? Gonna play with us. We need you. Yo, know, we need a big Sloan, you want to play? People DM me on social media. You, I, and I make people laugh. I am not playing any basketball ever again. Maybe every now and then I'll play for the TCU alumni weekend. But other than that, I'm not playing basketball. And a big reason why is uh, one of my good friends, well, now two of them, uh, Alvin Brooks III, he's a coach at Baylor, our best friend or our good friends, Aaron Proctor, he got married and we were both in a wedding. Um, I was the best man and AB was the, uh, you know, he was one of the groomsmen. And so he walked in a rehearsal. He came in on a scooter and I'm like, yo, what the hell happened to you? He was like, man, I was playing basketball with the managers and I tore my Achilles. And I'm like, how are you tell your Achilles? So he told me a story and, He's dribbling up and down the court. He said he got a rebound. He turned to go plant to dribble, and he said it felt like somebody kicked him in the, sh- you know, in the ankle. He said he turned around and looked and see who was behind him. He thought somebody kicked him. He said, look, no one was behind him. And He kind of grabbed his ankle, and he was like, hey, my ankle feels funny. I'm going to find out it was an Achilles tear. Mm-hmm. So the guy I am talking about, so once that happened, I saw him, and he told, he told me that story. That was, I think Prox been married at least four years. I haven't played basketball since. I'm terrified. And then ironically, I got Proctor, I'm talking about, assistant coach at Lamar. He and the staff at Lamar, the coach decided to play in a little pickup game. Same thing for him. Coming off a ball screen, buckles. He said he screamed, Hey, who threw that ball at me? My ankle. No one was there. He was like, What are you talking about, dude? No one threw a ball at you. Towards Achilles. So I am terrified. So let I me mean, I'm gonna look in the camera. All you guys asking me to play, I'm not doing it. Even with Doc's help, I'm not doing it because I'm terrified of an Achilles tear. So, Doc, kind of talk about that. Like, guys especially older than late 30s, 40s, maybe you say the younger athletes, even with Kobe mm-hmm. and KD, like they have these sometimes non-contact Achilles tears for basketball players. How mm-hmm. prominent is that, and what are some of the things that can prevent it, some of the things you guys can help prevent that?
1: Yeah, those those are still tough. Yeah. Um, you know You're telling that story It's funny Cause I was looking up On the KD stuff And it was the yeah. same thing Like when his happened He turned around And looked And it was like Nobody there right <laughs> yeah. they're, they're always confused Like what yeah. happened And then When they were talking I think Reggie Miller Was talking on the, He was commentating That mm-hmm. game And he's like Man that's the same thing Kobe did Like he turned around Like yeah, no one was me? there Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then Um so it, it, it's, it's a little worrisome it, it, for me, too. You know, I used to play basketball, not, not at your level for sure, but um, just for fun, and I don't want to play anymore either. Same thing. Like when I jump a lot or even when I'm running, yeah. my Achilles gets tight. Um, two of the things that we notice is ankle range of motion so especially mm-hmm. what we call dorsiflexion so that's where your toes are coming up towards your knee mm-hmm. we'll start to get more restriction there so it doesn't move as good And it's kind of natural as we get older especially if you played sports mm-hmm. the joints will start to lose their range of motion so that's a big part of what my system will, will tell me mm-hmm. is all the different ranges of motion of the of the joints and I think mm-hmm. we saw yours yep. right yep. and so we'll see a big imbalance like let's say the, the left one has a 48% and mm-hmm. then the right one has a, a 10% right so now I know the left one I like that 48% means Mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't have good range of motion and if we couple that with some bad um, biomechanics like we're not Mm -hmm. getting glute activation we're too much on our quads Mm -hmm. that means that everything goes to the quad and the glute never did anything Mm -hmm. and then from the quad it goes down it trickles down to the the Achilles the ankle those kind of things and so if you put together that bad ankle uh, dorsiflexion and that that bad mechanics where you're putting too much load that's probably the best indicator we have so when we see those things for a young athlete we can still do quite a bit for that ankle range of motion for yourself and myself we're Mm -hmm. starting to lose time on getting that ankle range of motion back anybody like in their 50s you're not getting a whole lot of that range of motion back anymore
0: so so what so like there's nothing we can do um you think yeah for
1: for yourself and myself, there's still some things we can do and we can okay. probably play. Uh, and there's there's really good exercises out there that talk about, like, keeping it supple. Like, yeah, basically, mm-hmm. it's a rubber band. You got to keep stretching it like a rubber mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. keep some tensile load on it and those things. Some of that's true. I mean, I see some of the workouts and I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't really know about that one. Uh, But without diving into each exercise, there are some good things out there that you can do to kind of keep that that tendon able to handle that kind of load. But just really work on that range of motion. You can get it. It just takes a lot of Mm -hmm. effort, you know. Like we only do a certain amount, but we really teach you what you need to be doing at home so you can start getting this range of motion back. And then just you know trying to get that thing longer, and then yeah. change your mechanics. Try yeah. not to put so much uh, pressure on that Achilles.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's something. I, you know, I'm going to start working on with him next week, just because I eventually do want to play again. Um, again, I'm, I'm just I'm absolutely terrified of an Achilles tear because I've seen so many guys my age and even a little bit younger tear their Achilles playing basketball, and so it just makes me nervous. But um, Doc, you know, he he's insured me on some of the things that I could possibly, you know. Help with that So um, Again Also too I'm mean, gonna touch on the Kyler Murray thing But the um, He and I talked A couple weeks ago About the Chet Holmgren thing Yep um, And you know man Chet Holmgren If you don't know He's a he was a star at Gonzaga 7-1 7-2 um, second pick in NBA draft To the um, Oklahoma City Thunder It was a debate Some people thought He should have went one Based on what he did in college Based on his potential His skill set Um, But Doc here said that, you know, it was a reason he went to Doc. kind of touch on that about here in the uh, Orlando Magic and their thought process going into drafting Chet Holmgren.
1: Yeah, so I don't have any like insider information. I just kind of in passing, I heard um, it probably was I was scrolling through videos Mm -hmm. or whatever. I heard them talk about um, I believe it was a podcast. Anyway, I don't Mm -hmm. know who it was, but Mm -hmm. they basically kind of mentioned that a little bit like, you know, there's some data that possibly the Orlando Magic had that kind of let them know that he was going to have an issue with his feet. And then sure Mm -hmm. enough, you know, he's missing his whole rookie season now because of of the injury Injury. in his foot. And they talked about Yao Ming and stuff like that. You know, Yao's was obviously just the dude played all year long and he was giant, right? So like body can't handle that. Um, But in in Holmgren's case, you know, there's something that they saw. So I don't really know what system they used, but I can imagine it's something similar. Somebody Mm -hmm. had some sort of thing and – even if they didn't have him show up and do a, a specific test for them, they probably had something where was something or somebody that was watching his game footage, and when they see it, and then they kind of just look at his mechanics and his build and things like that, and they're like, "Hey, over the years, this is what we're looking at: guys that are built like that, like Bowl Bowl, and all these guys, mm-hmm. like they ha- they have issues. You know, you look at all the all the the giants in the league, and most of them have some sort of foot problem or right. you know knee problem, something like that.
0: And so, Doc, from you from uh, You can watch a player, watch an athlete, and you could tell that also just by watching them. hey, this kid might have foot problems based on how he lands, based on how he runs.
1: You can, like any, you know, therapist, you know, a lot of chiros, things like that. People that really specialize and look in the mechanics will all sit there and tell you, like, oh, I can look at it with a naked eye. So, you know, if any... Uh, PTs or kairos, look at this And they they specialize on that But they don't have the system I have You know they'll probably Maybe even make comments Like oh I can tell that stuff With the naked eye Well I used to be able to do that too And with this, the data I have yeah, now data, It's uh, sub-millimeter like yeah, you're, you have you're analytics not, b- yeah. to, to back you up now Yeah you're not You're not looking at it Like if I'm seeing Two and a half degrees of torsion in the knee, you're not seeing that with the naked yeah, eye. Yeah, for sure. You see, like, valgus, you see a little bit of movement, but you're not measuring it, no quantitative data, mm-hmm. right? And so, having that data is a big deal. But you can look at some of the motions. Like, I can see people playing, and you can talk about, oh, there's a pronation in the foot. So, that's bad range of motion, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, so,
0: with Chet Holmgren, let's say they brought him to you, put him through these tests. And mm-hmm. so, from your system, from your um, analytics you could you could have told or you could have saw, seen on that test hey this kid might have foot problems based on this
1: yeah you know whether we would have isolated his foot being the problem or not i'm not sure uh mm-hmm. it probably would have been more than knee just because okay. you can see a lot of that in there okay um but yeah it it's 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 an important question because what we're really trying to tell people is there's a baseline and then there's a sport specific right. Yeah. Everybody yeah. wants the sport specific, so that's why I got the high speed cameras now that mm-hmm. I can look at your batting, I can look at your throwing, and even if we did basketball, I can look at box out your jump, your jump form, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff because we can go frame by frame. Mm-hmm. But the baseline is is where it's at because any sport, anything you're doing in life, if I look at your baseline and it's off, that's your foundation. We have Mm -hmm. to start there. We got to fix that first. Mm -hmm. And if we fix that first, then we go from there. So... I'm not sure we would have isolated his foot. and Maybe if they asked me specifically, I could have been like, yeah, I mean, obviously that could be a problem, but we would just look and be like, he needs to fix this and that's going to trickle down and fix the rest of it. it you mm-hmm. know, we're, we're usually going glute core yeah. and how those, um, interact together. Yeah. And then that kind of trickles down the whole lower extremity from mm-hmm. the waist down. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Cause he and I talked about this, uh, maybe last week and I just thought that, um, especially guys getting ready, especially like these, these NBA franchises. You know, such a big deal with these lottery picks, especially in basketball, because it's, it's so rare to build a franchise and get a franchise guy. And then when you get a franchise guy like Chet, and he goes down with a season-ending injury, you know, it's one of those things. It's like could this have, could this have been pre, you know prevented, or what could we have seen in his history and his analytics? And as everyone knows, man. From the high school all the way to pros, analytics are kind of running the sport now, especially in basketball and baseball too. Everything's analytics. NBA or NBA guys are hiring analytic guys as GMs and, and front office people. And so the technology you have is the same. Mm-hmm. It's analytics of the body, which in terms is just as important as his statistical analytics on you know what he does on the court or shooting percentage or, um, you know how he how he, he plays. So I, I think people you Know, need to understand how that the analytics of your system can really like change the dynamic of an athlete, yeah. You know,
1: I mean, we're talking about stats, your stats are zero if you're on the bench, hurt, yeah. So, for sure, yeah. So, yeah. it's that kind of is more important than those other stats, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah once yeah. people start realizing that. Um, it'll be more important. We we didn't uh, hit on something that I thought was pretty important on that mm-hmm. last one. Mm-hmm. We keep talking about the guys that you know showed these injuries. There's one really important guy. He's you know he's talked about every day in the NBA. That's Steph Curry. Yeah. So he had bad ankles coming out, and that's why his draft stock went down. So okay. I don't know if you have remember yeah, I that remember story. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So. He actually worked with someone. I don't know exactly who he worked with. Um, Uh, I meant to look it up a while back, and I never got around to it. But he worked with someone that knows what they're doing because – he had a lot of ankle issues and i know he plays with braces and stuff yeah, like that he does, but too. he's had like maybe one ankle injury in his mm-hmm, career mm-hmm. and like you see what he's doing now and yeah. that was one of the knocks against him coming out of college was he had those ankle issues he had like mm-hmm. with you know glass ankles or whatever oh, right yeah weak but, ankles. yeah Yeah. he worked with someone that um that really learned that stability and knows knows what they're doing so whoever golden state has or whoever he hired on his own they know what they're doing so yeah. that's that same same type thing whatever right. he was using i'm, I'm not sure how. He's Looked at his you know his data, but he knew how to fix the problem. Fix
0: his ankles. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric, I talk about the, the the Kyler Murray non-contact ACL things again. Like I mentioned earlier, ACL tears are so common; it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear about a kid even again high school tearing ACL his ACLs twice on non-contact stuff, coming down on a rebound or like Kyler, he just he was running for a first down and just kind of like knee buckling, he fell. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of times people say that those non-contact ACL tears are worse than the contact tears. Is that true?
1: Um, in a way, like, you you can't really prevent it. So I was an offensive lineman way back when, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, the things that you would see, and not at, not at my level, that didn't really happen to us. But, you know, going into high school, especially college, mm-hmm. NFL, stuff like that is mm-hmm. – you know, if I'm engaged in a block and then another lineman just comes, you know you got a 300 pound right, guy rolling yeah. on you, not a lot you can do about that. I can stabilize you all I want. He yeah. just can't be in the wrong place at the wrong time, Correct. right? Yep. But um, there's a couple of stories to go into, uh, but to kind of answer that question, I don't really know if it's worse or not. It's just I guess it's worse in a way that is preventable. like mm-hmm. the non-contact is preventable. Um, the crazy stat that I was able to pull up a couple years ago, 70% of the adolescents, so these are like all the kids that play sports, like through grade school all the way up mm-hmm. until senior year, right? Um, man, I can't remember how many, but it was it was in the thousands, right, how many ACL tears we have per year nationwide. Um, 70% of those were non-contact. So that oh, means wow. 70% of them, we could have done something to minimize that. Maybe you don't prevent all of them, but you can minimize the chance of them happening. 70%, that's a that's lot. A, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And then um, so kind of going back to what we were talking about, if um, uh, we we're talking about the contact versus non-contact, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So contact is that. Like, you overload it. There's not a lot you can do. The yeah. joint can't take that kind of load. Yep. Um, non-contact, it's, it's the way you're moving. It's your biomechanics, and they create that. So you talk about his knee didn't really do anything, but then it buckled. Um, it actually didn't really buckle that much. Um, mm-hmm. There was a guy that slowed it down and showed maybe a little bit of anterior translation, which that's what the ACL prevents. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing, though, is torsion. So if this is the femur, this is the tibia, Mm. right? So this is your lower leg, and this is your big leg or your thigh, right? So in here, there's an ACL. If we keep having this torsion, it's taking your ACL like that, and it's just pulling it and pulling it. Over time, it's going to weaken it. It's going to irritate it, Mm. and it's going to get weaker. um, And then, pop, it goes. Yeah. So we've actually – just to talk about a quick story about that, um, the second ACL tear that I predicted – There was a a kid that came in. It wasn't even for his knee or anything like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. His older brother had seen me. He was a quarterback in my area. His older brother had seen me uh, for a tight hip. The dad brought the younger brother because he was due up to be the next varsity Mm -hmm. starter, right? Mm -hmm. So the second kid came in. And I had just gotten the system. I didn't have it for the older brother, so I worked on his hip, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a little bit tight, you know. We'll loosen it two, three, four times, and then it, it'll be good." Yeah. And on the, on the way out, I was like, "Hey, I got this new system. It's really cool. You should check it out." So the dad was like, "All right, cool. We'll check it out." So I scanned him. Got done, was looking through his stats, and I was like, ooh.
0: Now, how old was he at the time?
1: Uh, He was probably a sophomore, so he was probably 15. 15, 16, okay. Um, And then he could have been a junior. Yeah, 15, 16, right? So Mm -hmm. um, he's in there. We did the test. I look at the numbers, and there's like a specific number I'm looking at with that knee torsion, Mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be below two, and his was at a nine-point something. Mm. And so if you look at a zero to two scale, a nine is like – Off the charts. Yeah, way the heck up there, right? So – and the, the and real, first and
0: real quick, Eric, yeah. Do you know why his was a nine? Was it because of how he trained? Was it because of how he walked? Like what? Uh,
1: yeah. So um, this kind of goes to what we do. So the best way I can answer that without going like a whole hour just into that yeah. is uh, the things that we do on a daily basis will yeah. create our
0: imbalances. Yeah. No. So real quick, everyone knows I keep. I'm always on my phone. If you yeah. see me, I'm like this. All like, look at the phone, phone, phone. About three months ago, like, I started to feel like a pull in my neck and my shoulder. I'm like, God, why do I have a crick in my neck? I didn't sleep wrong. And so, but again, I didn't, I didn't change anything, you know? And so I went to Doc. I went to Eric. I went to his facility, and he told me, he was like, you have a posture issue. I'm like, how does my posture, maybe this was a dumb question, but how does me, my posture affect, like, if I have a crick in my neck? I mean, he was like. How do you, you know, what, what are some of your daily movements? I said, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm always on the phone. I'm at the computer like this. And he said, that's your issue. And so it's kind of going back to what you said. It was like it wasn't anything I did like physically with the weights or anything. It was just my everyday habits of looking down at my phone, looking at my iPad, looking at my phone like like this the whole time. It caused tension here and pulled. Mm-hmm. on my neck so yeah i didn't mean to cut you off it's just like you said the, the daily habits of the daily, it. Stuff, yeah. daily yeah. stuff
1: yeah so if we look at that what we're seeing now that's a really good one that's like the majority of what yeah, we see crazy, from up here man. yeah yeah and then from the from the lower extremity though yeah. which is where all these mechanics really matter kind of right yeah. so um when we look at that what i can give you a good picture is we're talking about students mostly right Correct. so we're sitting in the desk The desk has one side that you get in and out of. So that means one one set of muscles is doing one thing and the other one's doing the other, but they never flip-flop. So Mm. they're always doing opposite things, but they're doing the same thing every time. We get in and out of the car the same direction. Mm -hmm. We sit on the couch the same way, like leaning, you know, Mm -hmm. leaning to one side Mm -hmm. instead of the other side. This is where all those compensations matter, right? Or where they come from. So when you ask, like, why would it be a nine or a nine point, whatever, it's just whatever he's been doing that side, one side got stronger than the other. It continued to get stronger as he started to train. And then now we have these imbalances and it creates this torsion, right? And so we saw his torsion. I told the dad immediately, I was like, man, look, I've only had one person higher than that. And he was a basketball coach, but he was also MMA. And so I told that guy, like, hey, quit playing basketball with your kids because MMA is important. He had, like, one match to win, and he was supposedly going to get called up to UFC. Yeah. That was on a Wednesday. His fight was on Saturday. Uh, Came back in. My assistant at the time was a friend of his. And then I was like, hey, how what's his name do at that fight? Man, he tore his ACL in the first round. Damn. On an MMA fight. And he was just throwing a kick. So it's like like, like he got kicked in the knee. He was throwing a kick, ACL tore. And I was like, dang, this thing's crazy, right? Like I predicted that thing or it it predicted it. And then so when I had that quarterback, I was like, man. And anyway, I told him some stuff. And the kid was like, I have turf at the clinic, and he's just like playing in the grass and then like he's not paying attention. And then so I looked at the dad and I was like, Hey, I don't really know how to get your attention on this. I was thinking in my head. So I was like, Look, this is how it's going to go. So I got up out of my chair and then I pretended I was a quarterback. And I was like, All right, what hand is he? He's right handed. Okay, cool. So he's going to come out of the pocket. He's going to be getting chased. And then he's going to like step to try and move. And when he makes that step, he's going to tear his left ACL.
0: And then you told the dad this. Yeah.
1: And so they didn't listen to me. That was, um, that, was that year, right? So mm-hmm. the next year, he's a starter. So he goes through that year. He's JV or whatever. Um, and next year comes along, he's a starting quarterback for varsity. His brother had already gone off to college. Mm-hmm. On the third game of the season, he tore, tore his ACL. His, yeah. Yep. And I found out because the dad came to see me at the end of that season because the dad's back went out. And at the end of it, he was like, hey, Doc, you're kind of weird. Like, you're able to predict that. He's like, it's exactly what you That's said. That's crazy. And I was like, and you Man. saw it because of the system. Yeah, like I basically saw that number and I knew you're at a high risk of an ACL tear.
0: And now, could you have helped him and he still be able to like practice and work out too? Or would it one of those things where he would have had to stop completely what he was doing just to focus on that knee?
1: Yeah, it – Most of the time, they're going to continue practicing. You're going to continue doing what you're doing. If I see a number high like his, I'm going to really warn you. Um, But, you know, you take that risk. It's up to you. I can't tell you for sure when it will happen. I can just tell you that you're at a higher risk, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, yeah, we would... We would, we can do my program. It's designed to do it and you keep doing what you want to do, everything, my treatments and all that they're designed to keep you doing what you want to do. And, uh, and that's kind of how we try to do things. If we see a pattern where like, it's just not getting better or you keep having pain every time you go play or practice, that's when we start cutting back a little bit. But for the Mm -hmm. most part, we're trying to keep people
0: active and we
1: don't want to mess with their strength and conditioning stuff. Right. You do ours, you do that. And Mm -hmm. then you put them together and it works. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Doctor, anything other, other with your system that you want to kind of touch on like expound upon.
1: Um, I guess one of the things we didn't talk about is like how quick it is. And then kind of one of the trademark things is I don't have to use markers. And so we're, we're a markerless system. So, um, man, I guess there's a few things we didn't say. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as Texas goes, UT has a system. They're not Mm -hmm. really using it the way I am. You know, they're using it for their kinesiology research type stuff. Um, I'm not sure how they use it for their athletes, but anyway, it's not available to the public. So mm-hmm. as far as I know um from the last time I checked I was the only one in Texas that was offering it to the public like oh, that. Wow. There might be one other facility but it's it's not So are you here. one of the,
0: you are you're arguably the only facility in the state of Texas that offer the technology you have on athletes basically. Yeah
1: and it, and the technology isn't the only thing um Knowing what to do, it's kind of like an MRI. If I get the MRI, you got to have a good surgeon that knows how to fix the problem that they found. Or if I see it, it's not a surgical thing, I got to know how to rehab that so that it's not bothering you. Mm -hmm. So if I look at this data, just having the system is one, like it's really good, it's accurate. You got to know what to do, you got to read it. And then you got to know how to have a good plan to fix it right if you yeah. want to make a change to it yeah um, so that's one what makes this system very different is it's markerless so you stand in it like you did I, did, I yeah. didn't have to put any of those white dots on you nope. like some people know the white dots from movies and games and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yep. so we don't have to do the white dots on you so I can run a scan in about 10 15 minutes where a lot of those other ones can take hours to do uh-huh. yeah not hours but maybe like an yeah. hour or so and yeah, they take yeah. more staff and you know I can just do it with one staff so it's really quick very easily repeatable and so that's what makes it so good um trying to think if there's anything else on there not really i mean just the data how quick it is and just how how easily we can get that
0: that data and use it and and people can pay for your services with insurance as well and out of pocket correct
1: yeah so uh, i guess that is an important thing it (laughs) is fda um um cleared i guess so there is a billing code for it so yeah we try to bill it um we use it as part of our total program, though. So mm-hmm. if we want someone or someone wants to come in and just do like a really in-depth, then we have a package for that. And it's going to include all the DARI scans with mm-hmm. it. Um, if someone wants to come in and have me work on an injury, we're going to do a scan just to kind of see where that injury came from once mm-hmm. we're able to do those kind of movements. Um, and we try to bill it to insurance. Uh, so everything we do is either insurance or we're doing a package because you want to go above and beyond. Yeah. And, and so
0: and basically, just real quick, just so what the scan is basically – um, Doc, they have cameras all over. I, I just did it literally two days ago. They have cameras, all like a multi, a bunch of cameras, and you do, you do jumps, you do stretches, you do different things. And I'll let Doc kind of expound on that. And like the camera captures you doing all these things, and then it spits out the data, mm-hmm. the 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 data of what you just did, and like what area need to be worked on, what area. I mean, literally, my explosiveness, my athleticism. Um, what else Doc Did it, did it show Something that us Citizen
1: explosiveness Functionality, functionality um, yeah. Joint dysfunction Joint vulnerability Those are mm. our main Like you know uh, As far as graphs go Sliding yeah. graphs Those exactly. are the main ones That we look at Yeah um, But yeah It gives us <clears throat> A lot of information And there's about 30 uh man i can't remember exactly how many because i don't use all of them all the time Mm -hmm. but i would say between like 32 and 35 total movements that are in the system oh wow um and then we do a baseline our baseline one is about 17 movements okay um but there's others that we can use like if i saw something that was going on with your your spinal range of motion um there's like three or four other ones i can throw in there because i only do one on the baseline so i can throw some other ones in there and kind of get that information that i might need so
0: you can be very specified in that also too Mm -hmm. oh wow yeah so
1: if we see other stuff with the jumps and all that i'll have you do more balance and more jumps Mm -hmm. just so i can get more data and i can get a lot more in depth Mm -hmm. yep Uh, I think that baseline is, is very important. So like I said, 17 movements, we go through them pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, we get that data and then once we have it, we give you an information on it and then, you know, we can, we can make custom ones. We talked about combine stuff. I can make one that just has certain movements in it. And we do like five, five movements. Boom. We spit out combine numbers. Like this is what you did on that jump. This is what you did on the lateral jump, your vertical. This was your squat depth and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. we can look at all those things. Um, I think going with basketball, the three jumps that we have—the the vertical, the concentric, and the drop jump—all those are very beneficial. The five hop, all those things look, yeah. will tell me a lot what's going on with the knee. Um, and then you can kind of go from there. Like uh, I think the something that we haven't hit on too much is the sport specific. Um, yeah. You know, just from a basketball standpoint, even if a coach wanted to just go frame by frame on a on a person's technique on on how they shoot or how they go up for a shot. Um, you know we can have everything the angle that this is because we have eight cameras so I can see the angle of the of the elbow. Mm-hmm. I can see where their release is. I can see where it is in relation to their shoulder, how their back is, all that kind of stuff oh, wow. yep, so like we can get a whole lot more detailed into it yeah. um, once we have that uh, opportunity.
0: Yeah, no, so you guys um his facility in Pearland, right up two eighty eight five eighteen if you guys are familiar. Um, very very accessible, very easy to get to from Sugarland Missouri City pearland um even south houston you know kind of going to pasadena area because um, you can hit the beltway and get on the um 288 but um doc we appreciate you man is there anything else you want to let the people know um we'll put all of this, all of the information in the um youtube video and we'll put it also on our um and stuff uh audio version but doc anything else you want to let the people know
1: um no, I mean besides, I, mean, I obviously like to really talk about this stuff. So yeah. anybody wants to reach out, ask questions, yeah. you know, they can contact me. We'll have all the contact sure. info. Um, other than that, man, just you know, take advantage of it. Like this, yeah. this technology is available now. We make it very available for anybody to use. Yeah. We're not catering just to pros. Um, yeah. You know, I want everybody to use this. I want the the youth to learn how to how to treat their bodies right so that they don't get messed up. You know, because sometimes. No, yeah. Sometimes coaches are looking at winning, and they have to win because they have pressure, and, you know, your body's at risk. and It's it's your body. Um, So you don't learn how to take care of yourself. You can still perform and get those results and then not get hurt, and then you can keep going, go to the next level.
0: Parents, again, I'm using a product. Um, I strongly suggest you guys take a look at this. Like I said, we'll have all the information. It could change your athletes' lives. Even parents, former athletes, guys like my age in their 40s and 50s and late 30s, it can change your life too. You know, we don't, you know, we're not in our sport anymore. We're not maybe at that certain level, but everyone knows health is wealth. You see guys and people leaving here, heart attacks and um, um, different ailments and, and, and have different issues and they're not as mobile as they used to be. And, we, you know, we can prevent that. Uh, I think Doc's facility, um, he, with his technology, again, it, it's helping me become more flexible and kind of get my body back together. So I'm, I'm very appreciative. And again, it's like you said, it's for all levels. From youth all the way up to, to to pros and former pros. Even people who aren't pros. If you know you have injuries or you want to recover or you wanna see what's going on, why is your back feeling a certain type of weight? The technology and his wherewithal and the staff and the staff that he has and his knowledge that can help you get back um, you know, back to hundred percent or as close as possible. Dr. Eric Ramirez, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for joining Sloan Cole Facts. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate for you having me. For sure. Sloan Cole Facts, we out of here.